Well, welcome to Living Hope Church. Uh, we're so glad you joined us this morning. Uh, if you have children that are headed downstairs for either nursery or children's church, they can go at this point uh, with Miss Melody. Um, so for the last few months, we've been in a series that we have called The Exodus. Uh, and in this series, we have seen God rescue his people from Egyptian slavery. We have seen his power, might, and mercy in the plagues. We have seen him do the miraculous in parting the Red Sea. And we have seen him provide faithfully for his people despite their grumbling and complaining. The last time I was with you, we were together. The last time we were together, we saw God preparing his people to go and take the long promised land. God sent out 12 spies to go and see the land and bring back a report. They went and they saw the land. They came back to this report that the land is amazing. The fruit is spectacular. It is all that God has promised and more. The promised land is incredible. But they also come back and, 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 and they say that the people are, are, that are already there are strong. The people there that are giants. They are mighty. Their cities are heavily fortified. The land is wonderful, but it looks like a hard road and low odds. But God has promised them the land. He has, and he has faithfully provided again and again in this journey. Two men at that point, Caleb and Joshua, they step up and they say, let's take the land. God has promised it and he will certainly provide for us. But the other ten spies, they are scared. And they start telling everyone how awful it will be and how they will all die if they try and take the promised land. During that sermon, we talked a lot about fear and, and how fear happens when we take our eyes off of God, off of his character, off of his promises, and we focus in on the problems. So these men start talking, and, this, and soon the people, they are ready to return to Egypt. They are ready to return to captivity as opposed to trusting God and the leaders he has put in place. In verses 20 through 24 of Numbers 14, we see God's response to their disobedience as a result of their fear. It reads, the Lord said, I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb had a, has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. So because of their lack of faith, these men and their families were unable to experience what God had desired for them. And for 40 years, the people would wander in the desert, waiting for the generation to die off. The generation would die except for Caleb and Joshua, who had responded in faith, and they would be the ones that would lead them to the promised land. When we live in fear, we miss what God desires for us. We miss what he has in store for us. And so often we return to the safety of our Egypt, to our bondage, to our slavery, as opposed to trusting God to lead the way, to make a way to his desired future for our lives. If you missed that sermon, I won't preach it again, but you can check it out on YouTube or Apple Podcasts. But that's where we pick up today in Joshua 1. It's been 40 years. The people, including Moses, have died, and God is ready to fulfill his promise if the people will courageously follow after him. So we're in Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It reads, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. 
I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, and from the great river the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this passage of Scripture. Lord, we thank you for this example uh, that we get here in the Israelites and in Joshua and Caleb. God, we thank you for the promises we see uh, in this passage of Scripture. God, we thank you that we can be strong and courageous as we walk forward uh, with you. So God, I pray that as we study this passage, Lord, that you would uh, reveal those areas in our lives where you are calling us to trust you, where you are calling us to turn from fear to courage in you, those areas in our life where you are calling us to lean on you and to trust you. So God, I pray that you would clearly reveal that, Lord, and that we would uh, have the faith uh, and the courage to trust you with it. God, we thank you that you are a God that loves us and that cares for us and that is near to us and whose promises are yes in you. God, we love you, and we praise you, and it's your name we pray. Amen. So as we start, let's look real quickly at verses 1 and 2 again. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. It's kind of an amazing two verses here. Moses is one of the two or three greatest leaders of the Old Testament. We commend Moses' faith. We celebrate his leadership. We celebrate his intimacy and the relationship he had with God. But when he dies, the mission goes on. I'm sure they mourned. I'm sure they celebrated his life. But then they had to move on. I mean, look at that. It just says, now then, get up and go. That's hard, but it is so important for us to see and for us to know God's mission, God's purposes, God's plans are greater than any one person. Or leader. And that's our first point today. God's purposes are greater than any one person. God's purposes, his plans, they are not thwarted when Moses died. It doesn't fall apart when Moses dies. In fact, Moses' death was in many ways the last hurdle to God fulfilling his promises. Moses, like the people, he had sinned. And because of his sin, he wasn't allowed to enter the promised land. He had to die before they could go. And God had been preparing a new leader Joshua to take over upon Moses' death and lead the people forward. Moses was a phenomenal leader. God used him to do great things, but the mission, the plan, the purposes of God were greater than even Moses. Back when we talked about grumbling a few weeks ago, we talked about how one of the great causes of grumbling is that, that we exaggerate the past. And one of those things we love to exaggerate is the leaders of the past. You know, think about politics. In politics, every modern Republican leader is compared to the great Ronald Reagan. And every Democratic leader is compared to either Barack Obama or Kennedy. 
Even though each of those leaders had flaws, they made poor decisions, they all dealt with wildly different circumstances, we compare every modern leader to these glorified versions of who those people were. Perhaps churches are most guilty of this. Right now I have a role, I'm the evangelism catalyst for uh, the western part of our state. And I get to visit churches all over western Wyoming. And I can't tell you how many times I've been told about the pastor in the early 80s or 90s and how they did evangelism and how great the church was back then. Now I'm certain the church had problems then too. But they had glossed over them. They had this, this version of this pastor that they like worship. They had failed to move on from whoever that leader was. And God's mission had halted with that leader. God's mission, his purpose for the church is greater than any one leader. I mean, that's, that's a tragic reality. The, the church stopped impacting the community with the gospel because a leader had moved on. And how does a new leader step into that role and lead when the people are constantly remembering and talking about the old leader. God's mission is greater than any one person. It is greater than any leader. I mean, one day, God is going to move me on from Green River and from Living Hope Church. Right? That's in no way imminent. But there will probably be a day that God will either, there will be a day that God will either call us to another location. And if not that, hopefully one day I will get to retire. And if that doesn't happen, I'm certainly going to die. Right? At some point, God will move us on, and it is my hope and prayer that Living Hope Church continues to love, impact, and point people to Jesus in Green River long beyond me. God's purposes, his plans, his mission is so much greater than any one person and any one leader, and we see that here. Moses was a great leader, but then it was time to move on. Can you imagine being Joshua and, and stepping into that role after the death of Moses? It had to be overwhelming. He had to have felt unqualified. He had to have been sad himself. This was his mentor and friend. But what does God call him to do? Let's look at verses 5 and 6. God says to Joshua, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Joshua's call from God is to be what? It's an easy one. It's to be strong and courageous. Over and over in this passage, God calls on Joshua to trust him and to be strong and courageous. So in the midst of the uncertainty, in the midst of transition, in the midst of unknown in our life, God calls on Joshua and he calls on us to be strong and courageous. That's the next point. In the midst of uncertainty, God calls us to be strong and courageous. Forty years ago, God called the people of Israel to trust him in the midst of uncertainty in the midst of the unknown, in the midst of a challenging future. But instead of trusting God and being courageous in him, they chose to cower in fear, and it cost them 40 years of their lives. And it cost them the opportunity to see God's promise fulfilled in their lifetime. They chose fear over faith, fear over courage, fear over God. And now they're about to experience that same challenge once again. It hasn't gotten any easier. And this time they've got to take on that challenge without their beloved leader, and God calls them to courage. If you Google the word courage, this is the definition that comes up. It says that courage is the ability to do something that frightens one. So courage is not the absence of fear, but it is the ability to overcome the fear, and that's exactly what God is calling Joshua to lead the Israelites to do. It was fear that cost the Israelites 40 years, that had put the Israelites 40 years behind schedule. It had cost the generation their lives and the opportunity to see the promised land. 
So this time around, with the same challenges, are they going to choose courage? Are they going to trust God? Or will they choose fear once again? As we said, the journey isn't any easier. This journey is going to call them to cross the Jordan River at flood stage. They're going to face many battles. There's going to be literal giants to overcome. But the Lord has promised to be with them. He has promised them the land. And so this journey, this promised land, is a place of blessing, but it is not a place of ease. In the same way, the Christian walk is an incredible blessing, but it is far from a place of ease. So where does this courage come from? Where does the courage to walk through this world, to walk this journey, to walk into the promised land come from? And one of the things I love about this passage is that God doesn't just call Joshua and the people to follow him blindly in courage, but he gives them reasons why they can find their courage in him. And the first thing we see is that courage is found in God and not in people. God doesn't give Joshua a self-help book. He doesn't just give him a pep talk and, talk and a map and say, go and lead the people, make them courageous, Joshua. No, he says, you stay close to me, you find your courage in me, and it is through my leading that you will lead the people forward. And this whole sermon, this, this whole thing is based on having a relationship with God and walking closely with him. If you want to have courage in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of the unknown, in the midst of loss, you have to know God through relationship with Jesus, and you have to be walking with him daily. You have to be following his commands. You have to be communicating with him through prayer and living out his instructions. Courage comes from God. It comes from walking with him. It comes from being with him and not from others and not from ourselves. Reader's Digest had a story that I love a few uh, a few years ago, but it said that a woman was driving through central Oregon, that's, that's kind of my place, in a snowstorm. You can imagine a snowstorm here. It's like, remember that September snow NATO we had? And so she is in this snowstorm. She could barely see. She's trying to drive. The way forward is foggy and snowy, and she didn't know where to go. And then she found a snowplow, and she said, I'm going to follow this snowplow. He is going to lead me through the storm. He's going to get me close enough to home. I'll figure it out. Well, after several minutes of following this snowplow, the driver pulled over, and he came back, and he asked her to roll down her window. He said, ma'am, I'm not sure where you are trying to go, but all I'm trying to do is get this parking lot cleared. <laughs> who we follow, who we are closest with, who we get our instruction from, who we are walking with will dictate our future. It will dictate our direction. If you are walking with God, if you are following his ways, then you can have confidence and courage that he has a future for you. A future that will not lead you to destruction. But if in the midst of the unknown, in the midst of uncertainty, you are primarily leaning on the wisdom of the world, leaning on the wisdom of friends, blogs, like Facebook cliches, self-help books, then there is no promise of a good future. There is no promise of courage. Right? Those things likely are just leading you in circles around the parking lot. They're not leading the way forward. If you want to experience courage, it is found in God alone. Turn to him. Trust him with your life. Lean into his ways and his wisdom and follow him forward as closely as you can. The second thing we see in this passage is that courage is found in God's promises. This isn't blind faith. This isn't blind trust, but it is courage found in God's word, in his promises to the people. 
Forty years ago, the people chose fear over God's promises, but this time God calls them to courage because of his promises. Look at verses 2 through 5. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. They can find courage. Joshua can find courage because God has already promised them the land. They can find courage because God has promised to be with them, that he will not forsake them. And they can find courage because God always keeps his promises. And they have seen that in this journey. And Joshua and the people of this go around, they are going to find courage in these words, in these promises. In the same way in our lives, when we are facing uncertainty, when you are facing difficulty, challenge, the loss of leader or someone you love, you can find courage in who God is and his promises. You can overcome. You can trust God even in the midst of your fears. Now, God's promises don't mean uh, your problems are going to evaporate. They don't mean that your fears just dissipate. But God's promises can give you the courage to press on, to persevere and follow him forward to wherever it is he is leading you. You can have courage to move forward because of who God is and what he has promised you. And God has promised the believer and he has promised the church a lot of wonderful things. But do we trust and believe in those promises? Right, the greatest promise he, has, he offers us is that if we are believers, we have received forgiveness of our sins and we have been promised eternal life with him. Romans 10, 9 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's not a question. He says you will be saved. What an amazing promise. But do we walk in that freedom? Or do we walk into the, in the, the ways or the, the thoughts of the world? Do we walk in the guilt of our sin? We cannot walk in our failures, fears, or past life. We must walk in the promise of victory in Jesus. Romans 8, 31, Paul writes this. He says, what then shall we say in response to these things? He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? If it is God who justifies, who then is the one that condemns? No one, Paul says. Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and he's also interceding for us who follow him. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Paul says if God is for us, who could be against us? That doesn't mean it's going to be easy walking the ways of God, but it does mean that he is for us, he is with us, and he is greater than anything we will encounter. If you are a believer, walk in that freedom, walk in that victory, walk in the courage of his promises. If you're not a follower of Jesus, then the opportunity to walk in, in that freedom and victory is possible today for you. God has promised he will lead you to good. He has promised he will lead you in ways that are right. He has promised that he will use all things for your good and his glory if you trust it to him. You can trust God in the midst of uncertainty. You can find courage in the midst of the unknown by leaning on God's promises and walking closely to him through prayer, through reading his promises and through walking with his people, the church. The next thing we see is that courage is found in God's presence. Look at the promise, the assurance, the courage that is found in verse 5. 
the Lord says to Moses, uh, as I, uh, it says to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Joshua could walk in courage because God was with him. What a confidence to walk their journey to the promised land knowing that God was literally with them. And as followers of Jesus today, we have it even better than the Israelites did. We live 2,000 plus years on the other side of the cross. The Israelites lived trusting that God would one day provide a sacrifice for their lives and for their sins. But we live on the other side of the cross knowing that Jesus has already been the sacrifice for our sins. Knowing that we are already forgiven and righteous in, our, in his eyes if we have followed him. Better than that, we don't carry God's presence in a tabernacle. Jesus tells us we are followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God literally indwells us. The Bible says the presence of God is with us, in us, indwelling us always. You need courage in a situation? Ponder that reality for a few minutes. The God of the universe, the almighty God, the all-powerful God's presence indwells you. You think about that and you can see how Paul can write, the right that if God is for us, who can be against us? Courage is best found in God's presence. He is with you. He loves you. He cares for you. He knows the way forward. He knows what the future holds. In the midst of the unknown, lean into the reality of God's presence in your life. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, your Lord and Savior, you can trust him with your life today. And when you do, you too will experience the presence of God through the Holy Spirit in your life. This story I've probably used before. It's a, it's a preacher's story. But I love how it illustrates the presence that we can have and the comfort we can have and the courage we can have when we know there is someone with us. The story is, is said that, that a, a young man got a job. Uh, he lived in Michigan. He got a job in Southern California. He had to be there so quickly that he, uh, that he just had to fly there. And his elderly grandma, who was in her 70s, offered to drive his truck from Michigan to California. Well, to complicate matters, the, the grandma, she broke her wrist the day before and had to put a cast on her arm. And she had never driven that far in her life, but she insisted, I will make the trip for my grandson. So she, this is the olden day, so she got out a map and she plotted her way and figured out how she was going to make it. Uh, it was a stick shift, uh, and so her cast made it hard to drive and shift gears. And she was so nervous that she seldom drove over 60 on the highway. You guys know any of those people? They are they are scarier than those that drive 85. I've got a mother-in-law, bless her heart, that doesn't go over 65. Anyway, she would cringe in fear every time one of those giant semis would pass her. After several days of this journey, she stopped in West Texas at a, at, at a, at a, at a truck stop to take a nap and then get some coffee. And as she was leaving the coffee shop, a strange man is said to have walked up to her. And she said, ma'am, are you driving that white GMC pickup with Michigan plates? Well, she, like all of us, had been warned of stranger danger, so she was apprehensive in answering him, but he assured her that he meant no harm. She reluctantly answered his questions, and the man said, well, one second, let me step away. And he stepped aside, and he called somebody on his cell phone. When he finished his call, he explained that a trucker had reported seeing an elderly lady with a cast on her arm having a difficult time. The truckers had nicknamed her Granny on the CB, and they had started watching her in case she needed help. One trucker would say what motel she had stopped at, and another one would pick her up in the morning and report on her location. He said, we were worried. We had lost you when you pulled off from the rest stop, and we were about to call the troopers. When I saw your truck, I stopped to see if you were okay. And I called a friend to report that Granny is safe and sound. 
This lady had no idea that while she had been driving all those miles, somebody had cared enough to be watching over her. She said the rest of her trip was much easier because she wasn't afraid when an 18-wheeler passed, but instead she smiled and waved. What a difference to know that she wasn't alone. Perhaps the greatest promise in the Bible is, is the word Emmanuel, which just means God is with us. We are not alone when we are doing the work he has called us to do. He is with us. We are not alone when we feel betrayed by a friend, when someone we love passes away, when we unexpectedly lose our job. We are not alone when we experience tragedy, when we don't know the way forward. We are never alone, the Bible promises, if we are a follower of Jesus. He is with us. He is present. He is good, and he loves us. So when you are facing uncertainty, find your hope, your courage, and the reality that God is with you. He loves you, and he cares for you. All right, one more real quickly. Our final point is this, and that is that courage is found in God's word and his past faithfulness. Look at these last few verses, 7 through 9. God says to Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What was it they were supposed to remember? What were they supposed to speak and meditate on? It was the book of the law, which is the the word of God, the, the Bible that they had at that time. And so the final place the Israelites sought courage was in the word of God. The law was God's word. It was their map. It was their direction. It was their testimony of God's faithfulness. In the same way, anytime we doubt or we fear, we can look and turn to the Bible. In the Bible, we hear story of God's provision. We hear story of his past faithfulness. We hear stories of his love, his promises, his glory, his triumph. And most importantly, we read of his sacrifice and salvation in which we walk. In the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of the unknown, turn to God's word. It is in God's word that you read of who God is, that you read of his faithfulness, that you read of his love, you read of his compassion, that you read of his presence, and you read of his instructions for your life. Courage is found in who God is, and who God is is found in his word, the Bible. God's word has never been more accessible. Right? You can find a copy of the Bible at Walmart. If you don't have a copy, you can grab one off the back table and take it home, and that's our gift to you. If you don't like reading from a paper book, you can download one of a number of apps on your phone. If you don't like reading the Bible, those apps will even read it to you. If you want to hear the Bible taught, you can hop on our website or on Apple Podcasts or YouTube, and you can hear every sermon that we have shared in the last two years here. Not only that, you can get on YouTube and you can hear the spoken word from some of the greatest teachers in our generation and the greatest teachers in past generations. As a church, we subscribe to something called Right Now Media. And you as a part of this church have free access to it. It's like the the Netflix for church. And on it are hundreds of Bible studies in which you can hear the word of God taught. You can hear it spoken. You can hear it applied to your life. If you don't have access to that, come and see me. I just need your email and I'll send you an invite. But courage is found in God's word, and it has never been more accessible to us. Read his word, hear his word, learn his word, and most importantly, apply his word to your life. Courage is found in his word, and it leads the way forward when we follow it and apply it to our lives. 
right? The goal of reading the Bible, the goal of studying the Bible is not intellectual ascent. The goal is not to win some Bible trivia contest down the road. But the goal of reading God's word is to know God better and apply his instruction, his guidance to our life. I love James. James chapter 1, verses 23 through 25. James tells us, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. He says, do what it says. I love that. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Bible, listens to the word, but does not do what it says, is like someone who looks at their face in the mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Hear God's word. Study his word, find courage in his word, and apply it to your life. Courage is found not in a leader, not in a man, and not in the absence of fear. No matter what you are going through, you can trust your future to God and find your courage in him. God is good. He loves you. He cares for you. His promises are yes. His instruction is near in the Bible, and he is always present if you are his follower. Find your courage in him today and not the things of this world. Whatever it is you are walking through, you can trust it to God today. Throughout this series of the Exodus, we have seen that God will make a way if you are following him. We have seen that he is near. We have seen that he is able. We have seen that he loves you. So as we move forward, find our courage in him. Today, we're going to close in just a few minutes. uh, And we're going to close with a few minutes of reflection. We're going to listen to a, a song called Same God. It's by Elevation Worship. And I love the song because it kind of connects to this last point of who God was is where we can find our confidence as we move forward. As we listen, I want you to consider what God is calling you to. To consider 